Hello and welcome back to Kingdom Hearts Coast to Coast where you are all just in time for the games. The games. The games. <laughs> Uh, I get ready for the game. <laughs> that is a a pretty good uh, a pretty good approximation of the approximation of Danny DeVito that is in this game. Uh, I like it. Um, welcome everybody uh, once again. I am Justin, and uh, with me as always my co-host Madison. Uh, Madison. Yeah, there you are. Uh, and uh, yeah, sorry, we have got to get better at that. That's so bad. Uh, wow. Okay. Um, it just takes practice, like all the practice. You get to do chopping barrels That's right. in the Coliseum. That's right. Just chopping That's those training barrels. for anything. There's, there's basic training and there's advanced training, and it's all barrels all the time. That's all you need. That's what happened in the movie, right? There's definitely like a 20-minute training montage that's just Hercules smacking barrels in that movie. I'm pretty sure. Weird choice, but it really rounded out Hercules' arc. It really did. It did. Um, you know, it did push the the Disney movie into the three hour range, which is unusual. But you know, uh, you gotta tell that story right, or else why bother telling it at all? Exactly. Um, so, as you may have gathered, today we are discussing the Olympus Coliseum part of the original Kingdom Hearts, and uh, a little bit extra as well because. Who boy, that is a short little part of this game. So, um, I guess let's start as we as we usually do with a little bit of discussion of the uh, the movie upon which this part of the game is based, which would of course be Disney's Hercules, uh, a movie from uh, I believe it's 1997, and uh, it's it's one of the I think sort of lesser loved movies from the Disney Renaissance that still does have quite a fan base and uh, I really like this movie personally I saw it in a theater when it came out it was a Disney movie and I was a kid so that is pretty much what I did but uh, you know I always liked it and I've actually watched this movie pretty regularly um, in as an adult as well like I think it's a good fun you know sort of inspirational sports movie slash comedy fantasy and uh, you know I, I think that it holds up pretty remarkably well. I believe it does get more and more distinctly 90s the more time oh, goes yeah, on. Oh, yeah, that's definitely true, for sure. That's for a sure. fine late 90s vintage. Yeah, it's aging like wine, not milk. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, it's it's for sure a movie from a pretty specific time in, in pop culture. And, uh, yeah, um, it does lean much harder on the comedy side of Disney feature films that... Uh, you know, there's, I think, kind of uh, an axis between, you know, the ones that are much more sort of comedy focused and the ones that are kind of, uh, you know, into into telling a much more sort of dramatic story, seri dramatic and like kind of uh, emotive story. And this is definitely more on the comedy side, which kind of makes sense because it was it was directed by Clements and Musker, who were the uh, the directors of Aladdin. And would later go on to direct, I believe, also Treasure Planet and Tangled. And uh, you can kind of see a through line, I think, with a lot of these uh, movies with kind of where their interests lie as far as uh, as far as directors and, you know, the kind of tone they like to take when they approach these things. And, um, yeah, the movie is the movie is a lot of fun. I think it like I mentioned, um, if you somehow haven't seen it, I can't imagine that anybody listening to this podcast would not have seen this movie. Uh, it essentially takes the story of Hercules uh, very, very loosely and kind of turns it into a, uh, 
I don't know, I guess sort of like a Rocky style inspirational sports movie. You've got Hercules as the kind of uh, hungry up and coming competitor trying to prove himself to the gods to show that he deserves to get into Mount Olympus by becoming a great hero. And uh, there is a, you know, essentially a, a kind of like wizened old trainer character, uh, Philoctetes, that is uh, played by Danny DeVito at his most Danny DeVito-ist. Uh, there is Megara, who is a really good Disney heroine, I think. This is a fun fun thing about her. So her voice is done by Susan Egan, who uh, was the originator of the role of Belle in the Broadway Beauty and the Beast musical. It's really funny because if you listen to her like perform uh, as Belle, it literally it just sounds like Meg <laughs> pretending to be Belle. Basically, she's very good, but <laughs> Meg is not really like the the vocal tones that she uses are not really like an affectation. That's just how she sounds. So wow, yeah. So very different characters. <laughs> very different characters. Um, and then of course you have your villain uh, Hades, played by James Woods, uh, a great actor and also a terrible terrible person uh which we don't really need to talk about that here but uh don't read his twitter folks it is awful um but in this game uh in kingdom hearts we uh we only get a few of these characters we get a lot of phil a lot of hades and a tiny tiny bit of hercules and a very special guest and a appearance very special by a character who does not appear in the Hercules movie, to my knowledge. That's right. Um, that would be, wow, that would be a different movie for sure. Um, yes, that's right. So, um, and, and actually, this is, this is one of the, one, I think one of the most heavily promoted parts of the game when it was being, you know, advertised was this part because of our very special guest star in this one. So do you, do we want to just sort of go into talking about this uh, this part of the game? As I said, it's it's very very short, so it will not take us very long to kind of move through it. I don't think. Yeah, it's actually the only optional level of the game. You can bypass it entirely. Yeah, that's true. You don't get a uh, navigation, or you don't get a a special gummy here that's plot important. Um, you don't get a new keyblade here. I don't believe. Yeah, you could just not do this part, though. I can't imagine why you wouldn't want to. You do get some fun encounters with various characters here and um uh, this is it is i think worth noting that hercules is the world of hercules is one of the only worlds maybe actually the only world that appears in all three mainline uh numbered kingdom hearts games uh it also appears in kingdom hearts birth by sleep and I don't know if it appears in any of the other ones, but I wouldn't be surprised because they seem to really, really like returning to this one. And, and it's always, I think, used in kind of interesting ways. In this game, basically, Sora, Donald, and Goofy arrive at the Olympus Coliseum, and they meet Phil, who is preparing for the games. The games, as he keeps saying. He kind of gets into an argument with Sora about whether or not Sora's a real hero because he thinks Sora looks too scrawny and puny. Uh, so he offers to let Sora do some training to prove that he's a hero, which, uh, as we talked about before, essentially <laughs> involves just some timed barrel destruction. Uh, you just go through some a, a couple of different screens of having to destroy a bunch of barrels in a time limit. And then he tells you, nah, you still can't. Uh, you're still not going to be able to compete in the games because uh, you're not a hero. Uh, Sora is 
surprisingly put out by this, I think. He, uh... It seems like both Donald and Sora are completely distracted from their very important missions. Yeah, it's like... This this has no relevance to them, but the idea that they could be denied access to any place or thing just drives them crazy. Yeah, so they kind of storm off, and they encounter, uh, and not at all sinister or, you know, uh... Just normal uh, sketchy dude. Sketchy presence. Just normal dude. Fire for hair. Uh, probably about eight feet tall. Gets pretty handsy with Sora. He does, doesn't he? Um, so Hades shows up and he offers Sora a ticket to compete in the games. And Sora uh, just says yes. He doesn't even ask about it, doesn't question it, nothing. Because of this, they're allowed to compete. And uh, as Phil says, some kind of strange characters have, have shown up to compete in the games this year. Uh, basically, it's it's a series of heartless mob fights. I think these are kind of fun, personally. But they are basically just normal mobs of heartless. And you fight, I believe, do you fight three or four of these here? I think it might be more than four. Okay. Uh, but it is it is several rounds, and you don't um, have any chance to heal or change your items around in between no. them. So even though they are pretty simple battles, it can get kind of challenging near the end. Yeah, um, and while you're doing this sort of in between... Uh, these matches, you you do get these kind of little scenes uh, with Phil and the the trio, and uh, you also get a little bit of an introduction to the mysterious challenger that Hades has brought in. It is Cloud from Final Fantasy VII, the man himself, yep. Cloud Strife. Except he's dressed like Vincent and Zach. He is dressed like them, isn't he? Yeah, it's true. He's got Vincent's cape and gauntlets and Zach's shirt, which I, I guess actually Cloud wears as well, the soldier uniform from Final Fantasy VII. But yeah, I hadn't actually thought about the Vincent co- uh, costume component, but you're totally right. He's got like this, it's like this big shredded weird cloak with a really high collar that's totally tattered. His uh, his big old sword is also covered in what looks like tape for some reason. Do you have any idea why that is? Is there any <laughs> any explanation for the look of the sword in this I game? I don't know. Um, I guess it got a boo-boo and needed some bandages. Yeah, you know, just had to hold it together. Um, so anyway. Or may- maybe it's wrapped up for um, to be safe for the fight, which is not supposed to be lethal. But as we'll see in this scene, Hades has a strife to take Sora out. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, he's turned it into essentially a boffing weapon, I guess. Um, maybe. Maybe that's it. But yeah, so so Hades is getting kind of nervous that Sora is doing a little too well in this competition. And uh, yeah, he asks his champion, Cloud, to uh, to take him out. And uh, apparently Cloud is sort of like honor bound to do this by the contract that he's signed with Hades. You do fight Cloud. Uh, that's the next fight after the Heartless Mobs. And Cloud is... Uh, you know, I will say I was expecting to have a, a harder time with Cloud than I did, but Cloud is actually a pretty easy fight. Yeah, he wasn't so tough. He spends a lot of time standing still after making his strikes with his huge sword, and you can get some good wax in. Yeah, and his swords, his attacks all have a pretty long wind-up, so it's really easy to see when they're coming and dodge out of the way. I think it's a fun fight, though. I think it's actually one of the more fun boss fight-type encounters that the game's had in it so far. And you uh, don't actually have to win that one, I believe. Oh, okay. So it just it just progresses whether or not you you win. Well, that makes sense because I don't think they would really want to have Cloud just like be 
able to kill the main character of this game. <laughs> um, it is worth noting, um, this may not be tremendously apparent these days, but Cloud was at this point easily the most famous character that Square Soft had um, at its disposal. Oh, for sure. This was right around the time that Advent Children was coming out, right? The Final Fantasy VII movie. So this was, this was a couple of years before Advent Children. I'm not sure okay. if they would have announced. I don't think they would have had. Uh, they would have announced the the compilation of Final Fantasy VII, which was the sort of like larger transmedia project that included Advent Children and several games that were sort of supposed ah. to expand the Final Fantasy VII universe. But uh, no, Cloud was Cloud was kind of a character they would put into things if they really wanted to like. You know, if it was like kind of a new thing they were doing, like not like a a new Final Fantasy game, not like a new numbered Final Fantasy game, but you know, if they were doing a fighting game or if they were doing a kart racer or something, they would usually have Cloud in one of these games, almost as like a company mascot, which is interesting. <laughs> but his his presence here is uh, it's given kind of a place of pride. He's not just lumped in with the other Final Fantasy characters. He's got essentially his own entire sequence here and. And you fight him, uh, he goes down, and Hades gets basically fed up with this this brat and his weird animal friends, you know, stomping all over his plants. So he sends out his, uh, his, his big old good boy Cerberus to fight you. Uh, so Cerberus is huge. Cerberus, just like in Disney, the, the Disney Hercules movie, is like enormous. He's a big boy. He's a big boy. Um, and when he comes out, uh, Cloud is down. You have beaten Cloud, and he's just knocked out. And uh, luckily, Hercules, the man himself, shows up in the nick of time to kind of hold Cerberus back, so that you can get the unconscious Cloud out of uh, out of the, the the arena. So actually, I actually just played this one, and you do not you leave Cloud for dead in that arena. Really? Hercu- it cuts. Yeah, you leave, and you're standing in the lobby, and Phil says you can't go back out there. It's too dangerous. And then it cuts back to Hercules there, cloud slung over his shoulder like a ragdoll. Man! Holding back servers. Dang, okay. <laughs> man, uh, yeah, apologies for getting that wrong. Sora, you are ice cold, my man. Like, you were just, dang. Mm-mm-mm. Sora's just like, I gotta be the most famous character this company has. <laughs> Can't have this. Nope. So yeah, um, you didn't. You, you fight Cerberus after you go back in and uh, Hercules. You go back. Le- you can save and reload your items. Oh uh, yeah, right, and right. then go back at your leisure. And it's good that they let you do this because Cerberus is a considerably harder fight than uh, than Cloud was. And man, I gotta say, this fight is bad. Like this one did not age well at all. Yeah, it's so awkward. The only to... part of Cerberus you can actually hit is his heads, yeah. and the targeting is really awkward. That if you end up targeting the furthest head, you kind of just like scoot along underneath yeah. his chins while he's biting at you to try to get at that one. It is unbelievably awkward to fight Cerberus. Um, I didn't think this one was as hard or as bad as the kind of juggler boss in Wonderland, but. 
it's not fun and it it definitely like the game's camera system and even just the way that like your movement when you're attacking works in this game really works against you in this fight um did you did you die doing this fight or did i i did not die during the during the cerberus fight luckily enough um but it it was a close call yeah me too i did die fighting the rounds of heartless one time (laughs) poor poor mp management yeah, no, um, I got kind of a clutch healing from uh, from Donald at one point. It's like the only time he's done Lucky. that usefully in, in the game so far. And uh, he did it, and uh, I did not die, but I would have otherwise. But yeah, basically, you beat Cerberus uh, and then talk to Hercules a little bit. He and Phil give you a little bit of kind of encouragement i gotta say i thought hercules's voice in this sounded super weird and i it's a different guy well i looked it up and it's actually interesting it is a different guy than than the guy who played hercules in the movie the different guy it is though is actually sean astin which is really weird like i think actually like a much more famous actor than tate donovan (laughs) who played hercules in the movie like this is the guy that played like samwise in like the lord of the rings right yeah so it's very weird uh his hercules voice sounds really strange to me though he's only got like four lines but it sounds enough like the hercules voice that you expect that it's okay but it's just like man he could be any 90s action hero probably pretty much pretty much so yeah and uh and that's basically it at this point yes this is not the end of the coliseum you don't lock it it's now open up for a lot of kind of side quests mini game type fights yeah there's like wave fights like arena fights that you can do in it but this is essentially the end of the like kind of story part of the coliseum there is one more scene here though and that is the kind of farewell to cloud that you get when you go outside uh, the Colosseum when you're on your way out. Uh, Cloud's there kind of waiting on the steps, and um, he kind of bros down with you, I guess. Uh, he's like, like, hey, you know, I tried to use the power of darkness to fight you. Didn't work. Wasn't good. Won't do that again. And then Sora's like, like, hey, we should have a rematch when you're feeling better. You know, no uh, dark powers. And Cloud's like, nah. <laughs> Cloud's like, no thanks. <laughs> no Bye. Thanks. Um, but he does mention that he he joined up with uh, Hades because Hades said that uh, uh, he could help him find somebody that Cloud is looking for. And um, that, I think, kind of parallels a bit of sort of what Sora is going through with uh, with trying to find, you know, he's got his lost friends. Cloud's got somebody that he's trying to find. Do we get a clear idea of who that's actually supposed to be? I always kind of imagined it was Aerith. Well, because... But I don't think there's any yeah, I mean, uh, I, confirmation of I, that. I assume it's Aerith because, like, the... So this is skipping way, way far ahead, but over the end credits of this game there is kind of a montage of stuff happening to different characters it's kind of like a little epilogue for everybody and there is a bit they are shown a bit of a scene between cloud and Aerith. so i think that makes sense um 
But yeah, so that's that's pretty much it for Cloud. Um, I believe I, I could be wrong about this, um, but I believe that the voice actor they have for Cloud is the same guy who kind of plays Cloud in everything. Like played yeah, Cloud. Yeah, that's right. Like who played Cloud in, in Advent Children and other yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, Advent Children. Uh, I actually also- looked up a photo of this guy. He kind of looks like Cloud. Is, is this Corey Burton? Is that who this is? No, I think his name is Steve. Hold on. Okay. Yeah, we. Uh, Steve Burton. Steve Burton. Steve Burton. You were close. Okay, Corey Burton's a different voice actor. Um, <laughs> so yeah, Steve. But yeah, Steve Burton has these bright blue eyes that's, and spiky blonde hair. That's really funny. That's <laughs> that's very amusing. But yeah, so uh, it's nice to see Cloud here. I think that they do do like certainly a bit more with him as a character in this bit than they did with any of the other Final Fantasy characters when they showed up earlier in the story. But yeah, you know, it's still essentially just another fun cameo uh, to excite, you know, the Final Fantasy fans who are playing this. And, um, you know, I think it's pretty good, um, but it is not very much. It is a very, very slim bit of the game here. And because of that, because we had such a small part of the game, uh, we're going to talk a little bit ab- about what happens after this. We're going to go back to Traverse Town. And uh, I, uh, because of just not being able to figure out where to go in the game at this point, uh, did not actually get to play this bit this time. But you did. So uh, I will let you kind of take it away from here and talk about what happens when you get back there. Yeah, we both had some trouble figuring out what to do, and I'd like to talk a little bit about my personal struggles That's right. with figuring out what to do during this part of the game, because I feel just a little bit victimized. Yeah, I think you should. I think we all should, frankly. <laughs> so you now that you have completed the first few Disney worlds, it's time to go back to Traverse Town. Nobody really tells you that, but you're in this loop of four worlds that you can go to. Right. Traverse Town is where the people who can tell you what to do live, so probably you head back there. Sure. Um, When you go back there, you will probably find Yuffie standing in the square who tells you that Leon is training in the mysterious cavern, you know, the one underneath the alley by the hotel. Yeah, everybody... Where all the cool heads hang out. Everybody likes to go to the alley... Uh, to, to the mysterious waterway in the alley next to the hotel. Um, <laughs> the gross sewer alley. Yeah. So you can go over there and you can find a grate that says this area is not available at this time. Mm-hmm. And if you look really closely with your special eyes, you can see a red trinity mark on the ground. Yeah. But I don't have those special eyes. I was wearing my glasses. They didn't help this time. So I mean, I don't even wear glasses, and I couldn't see that thing. It's a red Trinity mark. It should be more visible than that. It really should, but it's a dark and gloomy alley. So I looked everywhere. I went back and forth between the Coliseum and Traverse Town after doing anything to see if anything had changed there. Finally, I looked it up and found out you had to do the red Trinity. I imagined, well, it, I couldn't activate it, so I must not have the power to do the red Trinity. I went all the way back to the jungle, found that I did have it. Finally, I went back to the alley, activated it, and it worked just fine. Oh, well. (sighs) So, you get into the alley, and you walk through the grate. Well, it's actually a little fun. This is the first time we see the Red Trinity mark in action. Okay. And that is the crash one. Oh, yeah, that is a good one. And it's kind of a silly slapstick one where, like, Donald runs up to a thing, and then the other two slam into him from behind and they all crash through the grate busting it open yeah no that is pretty good 
So you go through there, and then you're swimming in the gross sewer water, Great. which I wish I did not have to see just, like, all up in there. So you swim over to where Squall is training with his cool gun sword, and Aerith is watching him. Very impressed. Because she doesn't have anything better to do than hang out in a sewer with this sad man. <laughs> exactly. And you tell them about the keyholes that you found in the world, and they tell you about how the Heartless get into worlds through those keyholes, and with your keyblade, you can lock up all the worlds and save them. And that's what you gotta do now. You gotta do go to a bunch of new worlds, lock up the worlds. Sora's like, do I have to? Squall is like, yes, you have to. <laughs> so it tells you to go. Then you can talk to him again. And then you say, hey, Squall, we found this weird gummy. What do you think it is? And he's like, mm, take it to Sid. <laughs> Why is that? Which is fine. Why is that bit of dialogue in a uh, a second conversation? That should just be part of the main thing. It's the next thing you it gotta really do. It really should, but you have to you have to do a new thing. Maybe it's maybe if you so if you do Wonderland, come back to Traverse Town. No, wait, then you can't get into the sewer. I don't know. Whatever. Anyway, you he tells you to take it to Sid. Aerith is like, yeah, we gotta walk all those worlds. Take that thing to Sid. You go to Sid. Sid says, you dunkhead. Dunkhead? That's not a real word. It could be. I'm trying to mince an oath here. Yeah, he calls you a dunkhead. That happens in the game. Yeah. And he says, this is a navigation gummy. It's for going to new worlds in your gummy ship. Um, I'm, I can put it on your gummy ship for you if you give me a minute and also do a chore for me. I have this book you need to give to Merlin for me. You know, my buddy Merlin. My buddy Merlin, who lives in a weird flame door in a secret lake under the town. Yep, that's in the wizard house. It's the wizard house. Everybody, every town has a has a secret wizard house that you can find if you go underneath it. And there might be a cool wizard living in it. You don't know. There is one here. You know, based on my uh, based on my experience playing farming simulators, that does hold true. Well, there you go. They all have a wizard there or something. Yeah. So if you haven't been to Merlin's house yet, you can go there now. You have to go there now. You have to activate a door with your fire spell. Mm -hmm. And in the third district, go through there, jump on some boulders that move i hate those and Merlin boulders is there. i hate they're go- pretty tricky. like i remember they those try to I, get like i haven't played this part of the game again yet uh in our our playthrough but i remember those boulders and i how much i hate them when you're they kind of they're completely stationary until you're about to jump onto them and then they move to try to get you yeah they're tricky like that so once you do finally make it to merlin after swimming back and forth after falling off the boulders a bunch he thanks you for the book. Mm-hmm. He says that it was all busted up, and he hopes that he can put it back together. It turns out to be Winnie the Pooh's story. Oh, nice. We'll get to that in just a minute. So he tells you, that's great. Thanks very much. I don't think he gives you anything except access to the Winnie the Pooh book. And he says, take that weird stone you found also to the fairy godmother. Maybe she can tell you something about that. So you take that over to her. She says, oh, yeah, I know what this is. This is the soul of Simba. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and you say, oh, that's great. What? Why is that? And she says, well, <laughs> when someone's really cool and their world gets destroyed, sometimes their soul is calcified into a shiny stone. That is, And you can call on them for help. That is such a wild explanation for how summons work in this game. 
Like, it's so... I'm surprised they even tried to explain it, but, you know, I guess that's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, it's great, Um, and it's, like, it is one of the prime moments of, like, crazy, like, Disney Squaresoft fusion in this game, I think. But, like, it, it it is so so bizarre and like these are very famous characters you get as summons in this game like they are they are like basically like marquee characters that just didn't fit into this game anywhere so like the fact that they're just straight up saying like oh yeah these worlds are gone they got destroyed and this yep Simba the lion's world got completely destroyed by big scary monsters but now he's your friend that you own in a rock and he could help you like a fight other monsters like a Pokemon like Pokemon yeah <laughs> yeah. So that's nice. Can't you also fight Merlin's furniture at this point? Isn't that a thing? Yes, you can. You can practice magic. Yeah. Um, by you, you go up, zoom up to the second level of the house, and then the animate furniture jumps around, and you can blast it with your spells. I think without using up any MP, mm. so you can just do it as much as you want to just get a hang of it. Yeah. Uh, we should also mention, uh, in case it wasn't obvious, this is Merlin from the Sword in the Stone. Uh, uh, yes, which, uh, the Disney classic Sword in the Stone that's right. that everyone knows and loves. That's right. And the fairy godmother is the fairy godmother from Cinderella, who does tell you that her world was destroyed. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're shacking up together, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, they seem to be in... getting along. Yeah, okay, yeah. The fairy godmother does seem to spend most of her time in the form of a teeny tiny magic carriage, though, so mm, maybe it's not okay. going quite so well. I see, yeah. It's okay. They've got time. They'll work it out. That's right. They have all the time in the world. So there's just one last thing in this part of the game that we're going to cover today. There's some more things that happen in Traverse Town that we can touch on in the beginning of the next episode. But I do want to cover a little bit of the start of the Winnie the Pooh area, the Thousand Acre Wood. Hundred Acre. So this book, the the Hundred Acre Wood? Yes, a Hundred Acre Wood. Oh, it's on. That's a thousand acre wood's pretty big, huh? Yeah, it's pretty. That would be pretty big. That's too big. So, the hundred acre wood is in this book that Merlin has open for you to look at any time. And when you go look at the book, you can get shrunk down and kind of walk around on the top of the book, mm-hmm. which is a little map of the hundred acre wood. And when you first get it, there's only one area available. More will be unlocked when you find more pages of the book. Mm-hmm. And we get a. Um, it's a scene that always scared me, <laughs> and it still unsettled me deeply upon this viewing. So we come to the only area still extant in the Hundred Acre Woods, where Pooh is sitting alone on a log in an empty field, thinking very hard. Yeah. Sora asks him what's wrong. He says he's trying to figure out how to say goodbye to himself. He says that everyone and everything in his world, including his favorite honey tree, has disappeared while he was taking a nap. And he thinks maybe he'll go somewhere else, too. So he has to figure out how to say goodbye. And Sora, for once in his life, has a completely appropriate look on his face while listening to this. It's horrifying! (laughs) It's, 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 It's very unsettling, and... You know, I at least we do get to help Pooh find his yeah, friends again. But this is this is some true existential horror in this, and like it is, it, like the Winnie the Pooh parts of this game have such a weirdly specific 
dreamy energy to them and like this is like this is in no way out of out of character i don't think for winnie the pooh like this is absolutely what that it, what what his reaction should be to this but it god it's so sad and it's so winnie the pooh should not have to contemplate yes. his own mortality exactly and this was exactly to go a little bit off topic this also happens in the live action christopher robin movie a little oh, bit god. and also i want to say winnie the pooh should not have to hear about christopher robin's terrible adventures in the great war yeah. Just as little as he should have to think about all how all his friends have passed away and he too will one day cease to exist. Oh god. Man, that movie sounds rough. I haven't seen it, but dang. It's um it was alright, but it did have a few moments of that sort of thing. Yeah. If you look at any still frame from the movie, it looks more like some kind of it looks like a horror very movie, sad basically. horror movie. Yeah. Yes. Like it, it kind of looks like that movie with like Ryan Reynolds with like where he's got like the delusions about like the talking cat and dog. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um. Man. Yeah. Disney. But Winnie the Pooh in this game is very cute and and completely how he should look, even yes. if he is uh, having some. Thoughts that are a little above his pay grade. Yeah, yeah. I am glad we get to help him. Ooh, that stuff messes me up. It really does. So once you do all that with the with Merlin and the fairy godmother and Winnie the Pooh, you can go back to what, if you had been there before, was an abandoned house in the third district of Traverse Town. Uh-huh. Sid, Sid tells you that um, it's his house, actually. Or he, he's going to be there. He has it now. Okay. And you, you meet up with the Final Fantasy characters again and kind of go over what you've learned. And they give you a new mission to do, which we will touch on some more in the next episode. All right. Cool. I uh, am excited to play that stuff, honestly. Um, because, yeah, the, the Winnie the Pooh part of this game is one of the things that I do have really fond memories of. Uh I have fond memories of a lot of parts of this game, but yeah, the Winnie the Pooh stuff always kind of spoke to me in a weird way that I'm not I'm not sure how to articulate. Uh, it is oh, and the Winnie the Pooh area has the music from Winnie the Pooh, which isn't true of most of these other Disney properties. Yeah, that's true. I think it's pretty much just like this one and uh, Halloween Town, right? Man, uh, you know, I, I'm I'm kind of glad, honestly, that the hundred uh, that um uh, the Olympus Coliseum is so short because uh, it, it gave us you know, a, a good a good way to kind of, you know, go back into the Traverse Town stuff and some of these other sort of little disparate parts of the game. But, um, yeah, like, I always remembered the, the uh, uh, Olympus Coliseum being short, but I was really surprised at just how small that, that section of the game is. And I know that it is there kind of partially just to set up the fact that, like, hey, you can come back here later and there's more stuff to do. I definitely spent a lot more time the first few times I played this game whacking barrels. Yeah. This time I was able to clean up those training areas pretty handily, uh-huh. but I definitely suffered for it when I was 12 years old. The trick is to whack the barrels into the other barrels. That's good, but sometimes you can get hung up on aiming them. Yeah. And not actually destroy any barrels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's... um. There's actually a really similar mini game in um, Yakuza Zero, 
that I have so much more trouble with for exactly the same reason. It's like, you know, these timed things where you have to, like, pick up boxes on the ground and then, like, use this special move to, like, beat up mannequins with them. Um, And, like, you have to kind of, like, plan out, like, the route that you're going to take through this course in order to do this all in the time frame. And, like, yeah, a bunch of times I've just, like, spent too much time trying to figure out what to do on the new course. So I haven't actually, like, done the course. And, yeah. (laughs) And then some of the mannequins have guns, and they shoot at you, and it's, uh, oh, it's a whole no. thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, thankfully, that didn't happen here. No, no guns. No, Nobody's trying to, to just plug Sora and, you know, oh, no. bring him down. Um, not in this one, at least, you know. Uh, <laughs> not yet. Not yet, yeah. Yeah, you know, when we get to that Dick, gotta get to when we get to that Dick Tracy world uh, in, uh, in Kingdom Hearts 4, I'm sure that, <laughs> that that'll, yeah. Right. I was going to say Zootopia, but maybe that's a little grisly. I don't know. That could fit with Zootopia. That, that, <laughs> I want them to do a Zootopia world. I want to see just like the fursona for Sora. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So bad. No, you know, I will tell you this. Like, we're just, this is a little off topic now, but talk, speaking of like newer Kingdom Hearts, I am kind of, I'm glad that they didn't do a Cars world in Kingdom Hearts 3, because I don't want to spend several hours with those characters. But I am sad that we didn't get to see the car versions of Sora, Donald, and Goofy. That that You want to show... know what type of cars Sora, Donald, and Goofy would be in Cars world? I definitely do, yeah. Well, that's okay. We can figure it out right now. Oh, yeah? So probably Sora is like some sort of normal sedan type. Yeah. Or that... maybe a coupe, because he's pretty cool. Yeah, he he's is. Like a cool he's, kid. he's speedy. He, he does the... So he could, he could be a coupe. Okay. And probably red and yellow. Okay. For Mickey Mouse. Sure. Donald, I want to say, is like a helicopter. I don't think those are in cars, though. I'm thinking no, of planes. No, well, that's the same world, I'm pretty sure, though. It is the same world. So okay. it's fine. But yeah. it, then he would be... Would he be really big? That'd be kind of funny. That would be kind of hilarious, actually. for once, actually. Donald was, like, huge. Yeah, if he was the biggest one, it's like, it's my time now. <laughs> oh, no. And then I think Goofy, I don't want to say tractor, that's a little overwrought. Maybe, I want to say like a moped or something. I think that'd be really oh, funny. Oh, yeah, that would be good. That'd be good. Now, you know, He can do some stunts. He could be like an old-timey motorcycle with a sidecar, because, you know, he'd, yes. he'd want to have space for his buddies to ride. Even though they're all, <laughs> exactly. even though they're all cars as well, so it wouldn't really <laughs> they're, work. They're but, all also cars, but yeah. it's the thought that it's counts. It's the thought that counts, yeah. Now, how does a car use a keyblade? Oh, that's going to be the good question because they kind of fudged it in um, uh, Lion the King, Pride the, Pride, the Pride Lands, and Kingdom Hearts too, by just having Sora have the keyblade in his mouth. But I don't know if they could do that in Cars. I guess they could just kind of have it. That's why they didn't put it in a Cars world. That's why they didn't put it in a Cars world. Or they could have it, they could have the Keyblade be like a weird trailer behind the car. And he would have to spin around and, and hit things with it. It would be, ah, yeah. Yes, a lot of a lot of opportunities there. That's right. For immersive gameplay. Maybe he could kind of like stick it to the side of his wheel like a spike trap. Oh yeah, that would be good. That would be good. Still pretty awkward to fight pretty with. Awkward. But maybe the Heartless are like cars too. You got to run them off the road. Anyway, we've spent enough time probably talking about 
Cars Kingdom Hearts. Probably. And not enough time writing our Kingdom Hearts Cars fan fiction. That's right. That's right. I've got to talk about my my beautiful car boy and his like spiky metal hair. Uh, you know, like, like it would be kind of like a spoiler, I think, but on the front of the car and also it would just look like his hair. Nice. Yeah, no, there, there are people out there. Uh, I know that, that write like anthro fanfic for cars where like, it's the cars characters, but they're people. We're just going, okay. the, we're just going the other way. And, uh, yeah, just, just flip it around. Yeah. Just, yeah. You know, put this train in reverse, put this car in reverse and, uh, yeah, yeah. We did not successfully get off of the cars subject when we tried to. It just went right back. It still it went had deeper. Some we gas went deeper. In the that's right. That's right. <laughs> All right. But um, I think we can call it there. That's yep. a good wrap up on our Kingdom Hearts Cars podcast. All right. Yeah. Join us next week as we talk more about Kingdom Hearts Cars. When they go to the big building in Tokyo and drive around the parking garage. That's right. They're going to be drifting. They're going to be yeah. Kingdom Hearts. Kingdom Hearts 1.8 Tokyo drift. Tokyo drift into the darkness. That's right. That's and then yeah. out of it again into the light. That's right. Yeah. That's the full title. That's it. You did it. Thank you for listening to this fourth episode of Kingdom Hearts Coast to Coast. Our intro and outro feature the song Trinity by T. Spiro on ocremix.org. Remember to subscribe and join us again next week as we continue our adventure in Traverse Town. ここまでは考えてなかったよ。ごめんね、僕失敗しちゃったみたい。いいんだよ、ピグレット。今すぐ降ろすからね、ピグレット。